0: And we welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Ballet. I believe this is now 24, I believe. The last one I said it was 22, it was actually 23. Now I know it's 24. Mitch, it's good to see you again, man. How are you feeling this uh, on this recording day, man? I know there's a lot of stuff that's been happening this week, and I know you're not
1: happy with all of it, but uh, are you doing okay? I'm doing fine. I know we're going to get into it here a little bit. Um, just, it was a fun ride while it lasted. Obviously, my prediction did not come true. Uh, If you go back and listen to what I believe that was one or two weeks ago, we gave our playoff predictions for baseball. It happens. But like I said, I know we're going to get into it. Lots to talk about and uh, playoff baseball still going. Basketball just tipped off rivalry, rivalry week in high school football, college football, NFL, Mitch, so many sports.
0: Indeed, there are. And before we get into it, we re- want to remind you guys, of course, here to like, subscribe, and hit the bell on YouTube. If you're not watching on here, you might be listening or watching on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. We also have our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter, at BTS Ohio, or on Facebook and Instagram. We also have socials, at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Bala. So, Mitch, yesterday, uh, unfortunately, is the end of the baseball season here in Cleveland. The Guardians losing 5-1 uh, to one in Game 5 of the Division Series. To the Yankees, adding on to uh, a recent legacy of very tough uh, ending postseason defeats. I believe now the Guardians are winless for uh, since 2016. They are now winless in all of their winner take home games. So now, Mitch, we're going to, into an offseason. Well, before we get into that, let's get into the game because it starts off in the way it couldn't possibly have started off better for the Yankees and worse for Cleveland, where you give up the home run to Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron judge goes yard, the next one. And it just kind of felt like to me, a team that ran out of gas because even, even if you, you would have put Shane Bieber on the mound there on short rest that day, I don't necessarily know if it would have been enough for the offense to keep, keep up with a objectively more talented lineup like New York's.
1: And you hit it right on the nose. It does not matter who we would have started yesterday in Game Five. The offense didn't show up, and you can give credit to the New York Yankees pitching. But Mitch scoring one run is not going to win you many ball games, especially when it comes to postseason. Especially when you're playing a team that we all know is nicknamed the Bronx Bombers, and they score all the runs via long ball. Now, did the game start off in the worst possible way for the Guardians? Aaron Savali should have never been in that situation. Hadn't pitched in 13 days. First playoff appearance, you're putting him on perhaps one of the hardest places, if not the hardest place to play in baseball in New York. He had his issues all year. We know the issues. His ERA was up all year. Yes, he had a couple IL stints. It should have never came to that point. On the flip side, to your point, Shane Bieber, we don't know what would have happened. And I'm definitely in the minority here by far. I am totally okay with Shane Bieber not being on the mound yesterday. This is a pitcher. This is your ace that is coming off shoulder surgery last season that has never made a pitching performance on three days rest. You do not want to risk his future, your organization's future, and his health. And for everybody to say, well, they were saving him for Houston. You didn't even get there. Yeah, that's true, but it would have been somewhat normal for Shane Bieber. And Aaron Savale, Mitch, two pitches in. Did not have it. First batter, he walks. Then he gets a strikeout on Judge on a 74-mile-per-hour curveball. Kind of got lucky with that one because it was high up in the zone. And then you hit Rizzo, and Stanton comes up. And the one thing you cannot do in Yankee Stadium to power right-handed bats, which pretty much everybody in the Yankee lineup is, is put the ball on the outside part of the plate because all they have to do is flick it to right field, and it's gone. They play on a field that is shorter than high school fences and shorter than college fences. But that's a home field advantage, and they know how to do it. This Guardians team stranded 39 base runners. Yep. You're not gonna win a series that way. No. I don't care how many times we outhit the Yankees, I believe, in almost every game, if not every game in the series. The offense didn't come through. The only person that was there constantly was Steven Kwan, and then Oscar Gonzalez and his what he had a hit in the tenth inning in game two. We obviously know he had the walk-off hit in game three. He showed up in game two against Tampa, um, you know, in the bottom of the 15th. The lineup went cold. It was the wrong time to go cold. And Mitch, the only thing I would have changed is I would have much rather seen a bullpen game. The Guardians bullpen is one of, if not the best in all of baseball. And when they came in, they slammed the door shut. I know Henches gave up a home run to judge. I know they got one more run later, I believe off Trevor Steffen, where the run was you know, charged to Steffen. He left the game. You weren't going to win scoring one run. But on the flip side, What a ride. What a ride. I mean, it was fun. And yes, I'm upset they lost, but at the same time, they were never supposed to be here. This was a team that was predicted to finish lower than the Detroit Tigers in the division before the season started. Yeah. And they made it to the ALDS in a winner go home take or winner go home game. It was a remarkable season, youngest team in baseball. And there's going to be a lot that can happen with this team, but this is a team that's going to be here for years to come. And Mitch, I think it says more about the Yankees. We had them on the brink of elimination, a team that is a, over a 250 million dollar payroll, a team that has a starting pitcher who made more this year than our entire starting lineup and starting pitcher in games one and four that went against him. It's it's crazy, um, but the Yankees are not world beaters. They are obvious. They have some major flaws, and we exposed those flaws. Their defense is shaky. Yes, they have presumably the AL MVP and Aaron Judge. Yes, they have Giancarlo Stanton, who is an Indian and Guardian killer. I mean, that guy kills us. Go back to 2020. I mean, he owned us in that short best-of-three series to advance when the playoffs were expanded. What a ride. And I know we're probably going to get into a little more specifics here. But all in all, yes, I'm upset they lost. But I'm not going to stand here for all the slander they have when this team was not even supposed to be here. Um, Just... Not happy that we made it this far, but at the same time, what a surprise.
0: No, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm very satisfied with this season. It was a little tough to stomach some of the, uh, the Josh Naylor, uh, hate from some of the Yankee fans yesterday. And, and to me, it was deserved. Um, I, I was one of the people that were like, Ooh, that was a little too much when Naylor rocked the cradle in game four. Cause you were still losing at the time. It wasn't like you tied the game or took the lead and won the game. Um, but at the same time, these are young guys. I really do hope they can come back and, and do some good things next year. We'll see how the division goes between Chicago and Minnesota. And now the Yankees have to go on and face. I think they're equivalent of what the, of the Yankees are to the Indians to the guardians. Excuse me. Um, these Astros, they're going to play them tough starting tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I still think I, I went back on my choice. I think Houston's going to take it now over New York. I got both uh, championships, se- AL teams right in the championship series. You still have, um, who was it that you had? Padres. Yes, you had the Padres. And I think you had, well, we, I guess we now both have the Astros in the World Series. But you had a difference in prediction that was better than mine. You said... Oh, no, I thought you said, never mind. You said you had Houston and the Dodgers in the World Series. I had Yankees and Dodgers. We're both going to get that wrong now. But the Padres are still up for grabs. And uh, the Padres, though, losing to the Phillies yesterday, 2-0 on the backs of home runs by Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber's, what, 488 <coughs> feet, which is absurd. It It really feels like this Phillies team is still kind of under the radar, even being in the championship series, even stealing that first game because – the starting pitching was excellent yesterday. Nola did what he had to do. And then you have Bryce Harper, who's having a postseason right now, the best of his career so far. Can, can this Phillies team, is there a possibility that it's, a possibility, there is a possibility possibility the Phillies can win? Mm-hmm. Is there a possibility that the Phillies can close it out early against San Diego? Or do you think
1: that it will, th- this Padres team can kind of get back into it? I definitely think the Padres team can get back into it. The Phillies, though, Mitch, right now are playing with swagger and also they're hot. And the big thing about postseason baseball, and we already saw it, we've seen it years before firsthand, we've seen it in years past. The best team doesn't always win. The team that had over 110 wins this year, I believe the mo- fourth most wins in the season all time, the Los Angeles Dodgers, gets beaten four to the Padres. The Phillies are hot. They beat, they de- defeat the defending world champion, Atlanta Braves. And there's just nothing you can do about it. They, you could say, hey, we have the better. Players, we have the better pitching, but when a team is hot, a team is hot. And right now, that's how the Phillies are playing. I love how they're playing with emotion. This is the first time they're here since 2011. They could easily take this from the Padres quickly, but I also think the Padres do have the type of team to be able to withstand a game one loss like that. Um, I know it was two nothing, only I believe four hits combined in the game, three hits to mm. the Phillies, one hit for the Padres. That Padres lineup is not a lineup that can only get one hit, Mitch. We've seen what type of power, what type of poise they have, and I expect this to be a very entertaining NLCS. We're on the flip side. Call me a hater. I think this is going to be a boring ALCS because I think the Astros, I will be shocked if this goes six because I don't see how the Yankees can win game one. As we know, the scheduling for the playoffs this year was just horrendous by Major League Baseball, especially in the AL, and then you have a five-game series, take eight days to play. And the team that won got to celebrate for maybe an hour or two last night, and then they were on a plane to Houston. Yeah. And so I just think Houston's the overall better team. It was going to be hard for me to sit here and tell you the Guardians could beat the Astros to seven. However, they did beat them four out of the seven times in the season, but that all goes out the window when the playoffs start. Um, But no, I really will be shocked because I think the Guardians exposed some flaws in the Yankees, especially defensively. And I think the Astros pitching is just better and their lineup depth all the way around when it comes to power and just base hits and contact is better than New York.
0: My prediction is that at least one of these games, the Yankees bullpen is going to blow a lead and blow the 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 final because that bullpen got very exposed against the Guardians team that just scrapped together runs. One time this postseason, we scored four more runs. Think about that. Yeah, that was the that was the comeback win game three. And as far as Philadelphia goes, I meant to say Wheeler, by the way, for game one, he pitched phenomenally. Nola pitches tonight against Blake Snell. And Blake Snell's coming off a good matchup against the Dodgers. So if San Diego wins tonight, they're back in the series. If not, then it's going to be tough to win three in Philadelphia. But uh, we'll see. I and uh, I don't know. What, I mean, what were some of the, the – we talked about in the pregame. You had questions for for myself going into next, uh, next season. I did.
1: I and I do, and it's more so to poise, to pose to you and then also the listeners out there because me on one hand, I'm already looking forward to 2023. Now, the, the caveat to that is we had no expectations this year, and and we will obviously hopefully this will still be going when spring training rolls around and when the season starts in 2023. The hard thing I think for all fan bases is to manage expectations. The White Sox, Mitch, I think are still a very talented team. They're going to have a new manager. We'll see how that goes. I think the Twins are probably not a factor. Now we'll have to wait and see how free agency goes and all that. But Correa opting out, saying he's not coming back, I think says a lot, especially with how they were so high up early in the season and then just came crashing down. Obviously, the injury bug got them. I'm already looking ahead, though. And our weakness, I believe, when it comes to the Guardians, is we need another starter or two in the rotation because I do think Cal Quantrill is a very formidable number three. You just have to pay attention to who he faced when he did pitch. He faced the ace of the New York Yankees, a top five pitcher in all of baseball, if not top two, in Garrett Cole. So where do the Guardians have to make improvements? We saw it all the time, and all year we knew going into the year our catcher was never going to be a threat offensively. And the style of play, how we play offensively is, Kind of one of the reasons we got rid of Fran Mel Reyes at the same time, part of it was on him not coming into camp in shape, admitting he had not swung a bat all offseason. Injuries just not there. The Guardians have to get a big bat because they have to protect Jose Ramirez. Jose still had a phenomenal year, uh, over 280 in the regular season, MVP candidate. We know what type of player he is. Still probably one of the most, if not the most underrated players in all baseball, but Mitch. They have to figure out what they're going to do catching, and it could be Bo Naylor. We don't know. We have to get better at certain positions, and I already have a bunch of things pulled up for possible free agents, but I want to know from you, Mitch Spinell, what do the Guardians need to improve the most in 2023 to be able to get back to this spot but have a different outcome?
0: You definitely need to develop some power, whether it comes from off-season moves, if you can get one or fostering these young players. I think Oscar Gonzalez for the future can be a viable power hitter, averaging 30, or 30, 40 home runs a year. The problem is still very young, still needing to learn to to hit for all fields, and he can for, for an extension of as a rookie. Um, there are some points in which I think the fielding needs to be addressed. There were very questionable uh, uh, positions at times last year where you would see guys uh, be in spots where you wouldn't normally see them. And we know the whole Owen Miller at first base thing we saw uh, Oscar playing right field, which we was accustomed to for most of this year, but there were times in the playoffs where I thought, I don't know about that. And then, Maybe you could find a way to get Josh Naylor into either a designated hitter spot or have him drop uh, some weight this offseason to try and make him a little more athletic around the rest of the field. I mean, he already is one of the most flexible first basemen, surprisingly, in the league. But there were just some some points last year where I thought the fielding could have been a little bit better. And you know, the pitching staff—if you can find a fourth consistent arm, then you're you're set. I think the issue with losing the consistency of Poliak and Savali last season kind of threw you in in a in a bind where you had to start a lot of bullpen games for a significant portion of the year. You had Brian Shaw starting a few games. You had, I think, even Cody Morris at that one point going out there, and that was just part of that whole rookie rotation that we were bringing in game in and game out where guys had to be called up and start games and then being sent down. Th- that's my biggest thing. Is try to get some power. Try to, to solidify your fielding spots. And find that fourth consistent starting arm. The bullpen, I think, is very solid. You got guys locked down. You guys you got guys who can who can be in for you night in, night out. Um, yeah, I think those. I think those are the questions you got to head into the season. But the questions are going to be more focused for me on what the other teams in the division do. Mainly Chicago when they get that new manager, will it be an improvement over Tony Larusa? We don't know, but it's going to determine that because I. I think Cleveland did overachieve a little this year, winning 90-some games. I could see them being around like the 80 to 85 win mark in, a, in an average year. And that's, in any other year, it's certainly not going to be able to, to overcome the, the usual average of what a Central Division winner, if they're
1: playing well, can do. Right. And there's a couple of things to keep in mind. But first off, we only have two free agents and it's Austin Hedges and Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw, definitely at the end of his career, will he try to come back and play on a vet minimum? Is he going to retire or go elsewhere in free agency? We'll wait and see. Hedges, obviously, we know he's the captain of of the team in terms of pitching. He handled the pitchers very well. But Mitch, I will sacrifice an out with my catcher. But you have to be able to to hold the runners. Austin Hedges this year was not good at all when it came to throwing out base runners only threw out nine runners all season. I believe going into the series with the New York Yankees, he was nine of 54. I think we're going to see Bo Naylor next year and, and we'll have to wait and see, but you have so many pieces and parts down in the minor leagues. We are loaded up in the middle infield. We are loaded in the outfield that I truly believe the guardians are going to have to package some of those guys and move them. The other question is Miles Straw. He had his worst year offensively and it was bad all year. I did think he got better towards the end of the year. I did think that actually in the postseason he gave us some decent at bats. Obviously it didn't always result in hits, but compared to some other guys we had to count on who were not existent and the guy that comes to mind Andres Jimenez probably the most disappointing player in our lineup for an everyday player. This team has to have an approach that they did after the 2016 season where they lost game seven of the World Series. They have to go make a splash, whether it's a, a signing or whether it's a trade. And keep in mind, after 2016, we are a team that's not accustomed to spending. We went out and we got Edwin Encarnacion. And that was a huge boost in 2017 to protect the young guys back then. Now, not nearly as young as we were this year, but you saw Lindor have a great year. Jose took off, Carlos Santana, Kitness, The names go on and on. The 2023 free agent class, Mitch, at every position, has some big names out there. And we have a new minority owner. How much money is he going to be able to put in in year one? I believe they said within the next six years, it'll increase for the Guardians with what they're projecting. What is it going to look like for us? And so first things I thought was, who was a first baseman, right? Because like you said, Naylor is very flexible, but he could become a full-time DH, or you find somebody that does the same thing he does, and you platoon him. There's no... Nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. I thought Naylor was actually very good defensively at first base, playing on a surgically repaired leg, where Mitch, there was kind of talk that we weren't sure he was ever going to play again after his injury in 2021. Yeah. First baseman free agents, and I just want to throw a couple names out there. Yes, they're older, but we have, I I truly believe we do need that veteran in the lineup that has proven they can do it during the postseason. All right. Brandon Belt, Eric Hosmer, Jose Abreu, Anthony Rizzo, Miguel Sano, not interested in that one, Josh Bell. Josh Bell is one name that we talked about with the trade deadline. He is an unrestricted free agent. Yep. That, that would be, in my opinion, Mitch, that's a fit right away. But to your point, what about right field? Because you could always move Oscar Gonzalez, who I believe has the most untapped potential, maybe not untapped, but has the most potential out of any of the rookies we saw this year for the Guardians. You could move him to DH. Now, I'm not going to mention that we could go out and get Aaron Judge because, one, we're not going to be able to afford that. Two, I don't think he would ever come to Cleveland. But you do have serviceable players that are free agents like a Will Myers from the Padres, Adam Duvall from the Braves, Mitch Hanniger from the Mariners. That's a name a lot of people are enamored with and and think about. I'm not going to go into catchers because I do think it's Bo Naylor next year. The one position I'm not sure what's going to happen is shortstop. And why I like at Rosario, we got him in that trade with Lindor. And as we know, a lot of teams like to see those guys through when they get him in a big trade. He is arbitration eligible. I think he can get some money elsewhere for sure. But if I told you we can upgrade at shortstop and not just this significant, like little itty bitty upgrade, but significantly upgrade, I think you would have to do it. And Rosario is athletic enough to maybe potentially move him to another spot, maybe even right field. I'm not saying that's what I'm for. It's it's possible, though. I mean, we saw him play the outfield last year in Cleveland when we first got him in the Lindor trade from the New York Mets. The short stops hitting the market this offseason. There's three big ones, Mitch. Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, and Dansby Swanson. In my opinion, all three of those players are better than Ahmed Rosario. Can you afford any of those three? Speaking off history, no, probably not. But things could change. Lois- one of the lowest payrolls in all baseball. You have the money to do it. Would you take any of those three players over a Med Rosario? And would it be an upgrade?
0: I mean, you got Swanson in there. You got what were the other two besides Swanson? Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts. I mean, I would take Trey Turner. Yeah, I think he fits the style of what we want to play perfectly. I could see Xander Bogarts and then maybe Dansby. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's where it's tricky.
1: You get into Jose Iglesias from the Rockies. We know him, you know, pretty much from the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Almighty Diaz, Tim Anderson, who had a very down year for the White Sox injury plague, just uncharacteristic errors yeah. from him. But I'm already excited for next season. The only thing we're going to have to keep in mind when these over under projections for win totals come out next year, it'll probably be lower than what we're expecting because the schedule does change. We don't get to beat up on the AL Central as much as we used to, nope. where I believe it was 20 some games in the AL Central. Yes. We know it's a weak division, probably the weakest in all of baseball. You're playing every team in baseball from here on out. They're changing the schedule to see what teams can do. I'm excited for that, but I do believe that's why you have to go out and make improvements in certain positions and maybe go get one more arm in the rotation. But we do have loads of youth in the farm system when it comes to pitchers, especially Espino. That's a name we've heard a lot. That's a name we talked about right when we started the show, Mitch, because we talked about, do we go get Juan Soto? And that was a piece the Nationals wanted, and we shut it down right away. A lot to look forward to. I'm excited. I'm already trying to figure out who we can trade for and who we can sign in free agency. It's going to be a wacky offseason. There's obviously still playoff baseball to go. But all in all, a very fun, unexpected ride. And I'm excited for 2023 already. So am I, and we hope that you are at home,
0: uh, are excited for next year. What moves do you think the Guardians should be making this offseason? Be sure to comment below or, you know, hit us up on, we'll probably put up Spotify. uh, And don't say new manager. That's not an option.
1: Who's saying new manager? There's a lot of people out there, you know, on social (laughs) media, Mitch, that want to blame Tito for the loss. And all I will say is this. Yes, Mitch, you said it to start the show off. We have not won a a winner-go-home game. I believe we're 0-8 in our last eight chances. Terry Francona is a great manager. He does not go out there and throw. He does not go out there and hit. He does not go out there and field. These are professional players that need to execute when they're called upon. You can question him not putting out Bieber yesterday, but Terry Francona is not the reason we lost to the New York Yankees. Terry Francona is the reason we are where we are and why we made it to the playoffs, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. Uh, We'll
0: take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be going into more topics here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries.
2: Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish.
1: You deserve the best, and at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris.
3: You
0: invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well.
3: We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org.
0: Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show, Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Ballam. Mitch is now time to go into some football this week. Did you see by the way? There was a it was there was a report that Amazon is now going to add another game on their slate. I think it was it was next year, they're gonna add a game on Black Friday.
1: I did, and I think I saw something like a 3 p.m. kickoff. I like it, I do. Um, because you kind of do have that. Usually the day after Thanksgiving, Mitch, there is no football. Um, We're accustomed to seeing three NFL games on Thanksgiving, and then you usually roll right into rivalry week in college football. Right. I like having at least one game there. Um, I'm sure Amazon probably went to the NFL and argued they should get that after some of the games they've had to air so far to start the season.
0: I mean, they haven't been fantastic. And, uh, you know, we'll get over some of the things we had last week. And I'm trying to go over some of our records from the previous week i think none of us got more than what six games i think we all got charges right on monday night by the way over denver um that that was a, a closer one but i got uh six right last week so i went six and eight which is not fantastic uh i think six and eight no six and no I'm trying to look at our records here. One, two, three, six, and four, 10. Five, five, six. Is that ten? Okay. Then. Oh, you know. I'm sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. There was yeah, two six teams. Six and eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, six and eight this week. I'm hoping to go for better this week. Um, and I'm looking over some of the matchups we have on our Google sheet right here. By the way, um, I was gonna say we do have we. I want to. I want to like promote our NFL preview from a few weeks ago, which you can find here on YouTube and all of our podcasting platforms. Cause I want to see all the cold takes that we had from the start of the season, because it just seems like it's, it, it feels like somebody could take our clips and make a compilation of it. It's just, it would be, I imagine it's very rough. Cause I haven't watched it since then. It's probably not going to be a good look. I remember having Denver at 12 and five and that's, that's not happening this year unless they go on a major run. Uh, but this week, I take them for the Super Bowl. You did. That's right. <laughs> Me,
1: I'm the clown. It's me,
0: you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Put the uh, get the face paint ready and the red nose. So, this week we have um, the Thursday night game starting, I guess, would be tonight. Um, it would be between New Orleans and Arizona. This is an interesting one because New Orleans hasn't been fantastic this year, Arizona's been kind of uh, middle of the road. And I'm looking at the matchups here. The Falcons, I think, would be or not the Falcons, sorry, the uh, the Cardinals open as a two-point favorite. So it's very close. It's very close in this one. To me, I would probably... This is much of a toss-up. I guess I'd say Arizona, but I don't think it's going to be guaranteed.
1: Yeah, it, this is a very weird game, right? We, we don't even know who's playing quarterback yet for the Saints. Is it Taysom Hill? Is it Andy Dalton? Where's Jameis at? Is Michael Thomas playing? Is Chris Olave playing? The question marks are everywhere for the New Orleans Saints. But on the flip side, the Cardinals have been one of the most average and disappointing teams now, probably over the past two to three years. They do lose Marquise Hollywood Brown. They trade for Robbie Anderson this week from the Carolina Panthers, which that was wild. If you paid attention to what happened with him on the sideline last week in Carolina, yep. his own team ejecting him from the game. But there's a guy nobody talked about Mitch and he's back this week. And it's Deandre Hopkins. Yeah. Yes. One of the top wide receivers over the past years, him and Devonte Adams up there one and two. What is he going to look like? Is this Cardinals offense going to look a little bit different, maybe a little bit better now, having the sure-handed wide receiver out there and DeAndre Hopkins? The home team generally gets three. I think this is a pretty even matchup. I'm going to have, with all the question marks going right now in the short week and, you know, a lot of the guys out for the Saints last week didn't even practice, and now you're talking about they probably didn't practice this week. I'm going to have to go with the Cardinals.
0: So you're going with the Cardinals. Um, yeah, we both go with the Cardinals there. Uh, so Okay, so Sunday then, we would have uh, the first of them starting off would be uh, the Falcons and the Bengals. The Bengals are six-point favorites going in after a good win last week against New Orleans. Falcons are the same record, though, three and three, but I feel like this is a tale of two different seasons for the respective squads. I, I think Cincinnati at home takes this one pretty handily.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do like the Bengals here. I'm going to take the Bengals and pick them. The Falcons are just a weird team. Like they've played well in some games. They've looked like a bad football team in some games. And I think going into the season, you and I were both on the same page that we thought the Atlanta Falcons are a team that won't be very good, but Marcus Mariota hasn't, hasn't looked bad, but I'm not going to say he's looked good. He's done what has needed to be done for the Falcons to stay in most of these games. I mean, what they had, The football, I believe, week two or three against the Rams, and it came down to the last play to where they were trying to have a walk-off winner or send it to overtime. It's a bizarre team, but I'm going to stay with the Cincinnati Bengals for sure at home. Yeah, it
0: could be a lot worse for Atlanta right now, and it could be a lot worse for the Dallas Cowboys who play at home against Detroit this week. It looks like Dak Prescott is going to make his return after missing the first uh, few weeks with an injury uh, after the week one. So yeah. Dallas is a seven point favorite. If this was still the rush, uh, if this was still rush hour for Dallas, then I think uh, I would have had Detroit in an upset, but I can't go with it here. I think Dak's going to come back and be, be sufficient enough to get Dallas to five and two.
1: And I think the ultimate reason I'm going to take the Cowboys with you is because the Lions do have the worst rated defense in the NFL. Yes, you heard that right, folks. I know we're Browns fans. I know we have to watch what they do defensively. There's a team out there worse than us. And it's the Detroit Lions. I do think seven-point spread is a little insulting to them, though, Mitch, because we don't know what Dak's going to look like. I'm going with the Cowboys, but I will say if the Lions win this game, it wouldn't surprise me at all because this is the Detroit Lions. They usually mess around and they hang with good teams. I mean, they've hung with a lot of good teams all season, like Philly, for example. I won't be shocked the Lions hang around and there's a costly mistake at the end of the game and, and they end up winning this, but I'm taking the Cowboys. Talk about one of the more even
0: games we have this so far this Sunday, too. Indianapolis. Well, I was gonna say Indianapolis against Tennessee. The Colts and Titans are three and two and three and two and one. Uh this one is not a big points spread, I believe, right now. Two and a half to Tennessee. And you know, both teams kind of underachieving in that AFC South and not looking like very dominant. Again, this AFC South could be determined by a barely 500 division winner, but I'm I'm taking the Titans in a safe pick. I don't I don't think the the Colts uh the Colts barely beat Jacksonville last week. So what are we doing here?
1: Yeah, to your point, I agree. There, the Titans coming off a bye means some rest for Derrick Henry, um, a workhorse back as we've seen over the years in the NFL, but even more so this year with a limited passing game. The Colts are streaky. They I still don't know about them, but I think it's safe to say one of these two teams is going to win the AFC South. I do not believe in Jacksonville. Um, I'm, I'll am i go safe pick here and go with the Titans as well.
0: All right, so then this is one where I think we could see an upset. This is Green Bay versus Washington. The Packers are coming off back-to-back losses to the, both the New York teams. The Commanders uh, are also coming off a uh, uh, a win over thir- on Thursday night over Chicago in, in another uh, uh, very competitive game. So what uh, the Packers are five and a half point favorites right now. I, I'm, this is going to be my upset of the week. I'm taking the commanders. I think it's going to be panic time. It, in Green
1: Bay. And it very well could be, they've looked pretty bad the past couple of weeks. They've really not looked good at all this season in any of their games, even their one game that you would say is an impressive road win. It was early in the season when they went and beat Tampa Bay 14 to 12. Tampa Bay doesn't look that great. I think the Packers and the Buccaneers right now in the NFC, match are two of the teams that everybody expected to be two of the top teams. And right now uh, we're almost in panic mode for these two teams. But I think this is a get right game for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I'm going to take the Packers.
0: All right. So that's where we split on differences. Now, the next one, we have Giants versus Jaguars. This is interesting. The Jaguars open as three-point favorites on the line. I don't. That might be if they're hosting at home, but it feels like a trap game.
1: Does this feel like a trap game? It, it does. I I I still think people bought into the Jaguars way too early. I think they're an above-average team, but Mitch, the Giants right now. I've been waiting for the Giants through the six weeks so far. I know they have one loss, but I've been waiting for the Giants to do the New York Giants thing where they just have a really bad game. I've been waiting for Daniel Jones to fumble the ball multiple times in a game. I've been waiting for, you know, Saquon Barkley to be stopped. They haven't, and I cannot pick against them right now. I believe I've picked them a good amount so far this season. I'm going to keep rolling with the G-men.
0: I think it's more so the maybe it's the injuries that you have on on the Giants roster. You have receivers out in Kadarius, Tony and Kenny Galladay. You have uh, both cornerbacks out in Pinnock and Flott. You have linebacker out as well. Only three uh, out. or, or they're, they're all questionable. Excuse me. Not, none of them are out so far in this one. They're all questionable as of yesterday. And uh I don't know. I I think, so you're going giants. I think I'm gonna have to split again and say that the NFC East team doesn't get it done. I'm going to say Jaguars, but I don't, I don't know about that. I don't feel a hundred percent on that pick. Um, so then we go over to, what is it? The, uh, Panthers over Panthers against the Buccaneers. Now I'm looking to see just to make sure if, uh, Baker Mayfield will be in this game. He is. He was listed as questionable on Wednesday. Um, uh, you know, some Carolina fans might think, oh, well, you know, that may not be that may not be uh, so bad for us. But you've lost your third straight game last week to Los Angeles. And even with the nonsense that the Buccaneers have had to go with this year, I still think Carolina is one of the worst teams in the NFL. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers.
1: Yeah, I don't I, I can't pick Carolina. They look that bad uh, with an interim head coach now and Steve Wilkes leading the charge. You had the outburst with Robbie Anderson last week. Tons of trade rumors swirling right now for multiple players on both sides of the ball for the Panthers. I, I don't know if it matters who plays quarterback, but I will say an 11-point spread with this game being in Carolina is extremely insulting. I saw but that. The, I was like, the wait Buccaneers a minute. Buccaneers have not looked like world beaters. The Buccaneers have looked really bad and suspect themselves. They lost the Steelers last week. I'll take the Bucs here, just going off the sheer talent they have on paper and who the quarterback is, even though he's looked really bad. Um, but... An eleven point home underdog looks really, really bad, in my opinion. Well, this an
0: even line game between a two and four team and a four and two team in Denver between the Broncos and the Jets. By the way, the Jets are three and zero at on the road, so their problem is in the Meadowlands right now. They're just dominating away from from their stadium. Denver's got five people on the IR right now, two of them out for this week, uh, an Aaron Patrick and a Sang Bassey. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, defensive member of the Jets is questionable. Ugh, this is... Uh... <laughs> I, I think because the Denver offense has struggled so much that the, if the New York offense just gets two, three touchdowns, that can be a win. I, I think I'm going to take the Jets. I can't believe I'm taking the Jets five and two and the Broncos are going to keep sinking further and further. I really think it's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, this is, it's so bizarre. Cause if you would have told me we got to this point in the NFL season, the line would be even with these two teams. I would have said you're full of it. There's yeah. no way, right? The Broncos made this huge move. They signed Russ for that $250 million extension. The jets are, are not good. And here's the flip side. And First off, I think these are two teams that have very underrated defenses. I think that scoring is going to be low in this game. For the sake of everything that could possibly go wrong, if the Broncos lose this game, I'm taking the Broncos. But Mitch, we're approaching territory here that if they lose at home to the Jets, I think Nathaniel Hackett could be gone as early as Monday. I Mm. think the head coach in Denver is way in over his head. And uh, he was an offensive coordinator. And where did he come from? Oh, Green Bay, where his quarterback probably made him look better than what he actually was as a play caller. You have one of the all-time greats in Aaron Rodgers there. It's nobody's fault, right? I mean, listen, obviously, I think they probably hired Hackett hoping they could get Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, that didn't happen. You still got what we expected to be one of top 15 quarterback in Russell Wilson because I don't even think he's that right now. I truly believe though, if the Jets win this game at in Denver, that Nathaniel Hackett could be fired as early as Monday.
4: I'm so are, the Broncos.
1: So who are you taking in this one? Denver Broncos. Broncos country. Let's ride.
0: Oh, good lord. All right. I'm taking I'm taking the Jets, as I said. Texans versus Raiders. Vegas, a seven point favorite at home. Both teams not very good. This is uh, this is a, this is the game of the week. Um,
1: I don't this know. This game should be on
0: Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Vegas, the the offense has been a little bit better than Houston's right now. Houston's defense has looked atrocious, allowing 425 yards per game. I, I'm going to say Raiders.
1: Yeah, I'm going with the Raiders too. I know both teams record-wise are pretty bad right now, but the Raiders are the better team. Like It's not even close. It's not like, oh, they're just underperforming. I think they've had a tough start to the season with some of the teams they've played. Texans just aren't good. But yeah, I'm taking the
0: Raiders. Okay, so then that leaves us over to uh, the Seahawks and the Chargers in L. A. The Chargers are at six and a half point favorites. Both teams got some some good starts of the year. I think people people are really giving Seattle more of a leeway, or uh, not a leeway, but some more credit because they didn't think they would be this good. Um, uh, I think I think the Chargers' offense will do will outpace the Seahawks' offense, and and I'll take the Chargers in this one.
1: I really, really, really want to take the Seahawks here because I just think Brandon Staley is going to do something stupid again, like he always does. Mm-hmm. I mean, he makes a bad decision every week since he's been hired as the Chargers coach before last season. But it's like, do you really trust Geno Smith? Granted, he's played well so far. I...
0: If they can shut down, if they can shut down the passing game, then that could be some some serious because the Chargers uh, yards rushing per game is only at ninety four.
1: You know what? This is my upset. Give me the Seahawks. All right, all right. You
0: made your bed, now you lay in it. So let's go. Um, the next one is Kansas City Super Bowl Fifty Four rematch. Kansas City versus San Francisco. Uh, the Chiefs. I'm sure open up as the favorite. Yes, uh, three three point favorites. Okay, in San Francisco, uh, they came off a, a tough loss to the Bills last week uh yeah, you have San Francisco had a lot of injuries that they've had to build up so five five are questionable before the game uh Nick Bosa questionable as well and then you have uh San Francisco only allowing an average of 15 per contest right now both teams are pretty evenly matched except for the passing yardage in which uh San Francisco has done better i i, I think it's going to be close but i'm going to say chiefs
1: yeah, I'm going to have to go Chiefs here, too. You mentioned the injuries to the Niners. It seems like this is an every-other-year thing for them. They go to the Super Bowl. The next year, I remember, they lose almost all the running backs within a three-week span. A bunch of guys go down, and I believe Nick Bosa tore a peck or something. He was out for the season. And now, last year, they go to the NFC Championship game, and now here they are with injury bugs hitting them again. I'm going to go Chiefs just because they are the better team, but I think this could be a very entertaining game, and uh, – I wouldn't be shocked if the Niner did even cover the three-point spread. I think it could be very close.
0: All right, one team I'm taking the points on and more is the Miami Dolphins, who now play the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. Not only are Minka Fitzpatrick and Kenny Pickett questionable for the game, but it looks like Tua Tagovailoa is going to be back on the field. I, I think this will be an easy one for, for the Dolphins. At home, Pittsburgh's not going to keep pace with them. I'm taking Miami.
1: Yeah, this is an easy one. Even if Tua doesn't play, it looks like Teddy Bridgewater may actually be back as well. So you're talking about not e- if either having your quarterback one back or quarterback two who has played very well at certain times and he has weapons to his disposal. I'm taking the Dolphins. I I don't think the, uh, the Steelers are due for a letdown game after surprising everybody and beating the Bucs last week.
5: I'm not hearing you,
0: Mitch. Sorry about that.
1: I was. See- I saw you. I thought maybe it was my headphones. But-
0: oh no, no! I, I had to sneeze and I turned off my uh oh. my my thing there. So the uh, I lost track. Okay, so the final game. We we both took the Miami Dolphins for the last game. The final, the, the the penultimate one, I should say, is Patriots and Bears on Monday night. Bears in prime time again. Seven and a half points for the Patriots. I'm I'm this is easy. Patriots. Uh, I'm 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 not on the Bailey Zappy uh bandwagon. Or it looks like even Mac Jones might be returning this week. I'm not sure. It looks like uh, they haven't listed. Well, Mac Jones is listed questionable, but we shall see what's going to come on. Um, either way, I mean, Chicago's offense has been atrocious. Just I'm taking new England.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's the Patriots. No matter who plays quarterback, you have to think Belichick will have a defense schemed up to stop Justin Fields and make him look as bad as he's looked so far this season. However, if, if the Patriots do win and it's zappy again, are we in territory where you have to start considering zappy just being the quarterback the rest of the year? He came in and made it a game against green Bay. You go home and you throttle the lions. He comes on the road in Cleveland and wins. Now you're talking about going home with a potential to be three, and oh as a starter, since Mac Jones went down, you know, questions are there. Plus Zappy is just a great last name. It's fun to say Zappy hour, you know, Bailey Zappy. It's fun. Patriots win this one by a lot, but just throwing it out there.
0: Yeah. And I'm just throwing out there. My final prediction for the final game of this one, Ravens versus the Browns. Uh, the Ravens are at six point favorites. Right now it's it's not it's not looking great. There's a lot of players on the injured list. And even if they do play, it's it's not going to be fun. This is gonna be an this is gonna be
1: an easy Ravens win in my book. Yeah, you saw me do this because I'm practicing my layup because this is a layup for Pickham because it's the Ravens by a lot. Um the Browns are not going to be able to stop Lamar, and if they do, they probably won't stop Mark Andrews because we can't cover a tight end to save our life. So Ravens by a million. Yeah, I'm looking at the defensive numbers and
0: it actually isn't as far off as I thought it would be.
1: No, Um, they're they're bad, Mitch, and they really have not been good at home. I believe they're one in seven of their last eight home games dating back to last year. The Ravens are in the same spot as the Browns. However, eh. we have not been able to stop Lamar Jackson and or Mark Andrews. The only time we beat the Ravens in the past two years is when Lamar left the game due to injury. And then we thought we had another one when he had to go to the bathroom. But other than that, as long as Lamar Jackson's on the field, the Browns are not beating them, especially with how bad this defense is right now. We shall see. Uh, so,
0: yeah, we're taking the taking the Ravens, both of them. Uh, so that is our picks for the week in NFL Week 7. What are your picks? Obviously, we want to know. Comment below. Um, you know, we'll be back after this break. We'll be talking more stuff here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.
5: You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216 hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from five to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information.
4: If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group.
5: The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company.
4: It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate title and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. You matter. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter, too. Alt-Care. Alt-Care, Alt-Care.
5: Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes.
0: Welcome back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Finnell, Mitchell Ballett. It's now time to go over to the official start of the NBA season and you know maybe we get into some hockey as well because that's officially started. By the way, if you haven't seen it on YouTube or on our podcast platforms, our official uh, 2022-23 NBA preview, and uh, we that was all of our uh, predictions for the upcoming year, standings, playoffs, and award shows. Mitch and I kind of went through that. I uh, even put up the little... Uh, uh, create a video at the beginning just to kick off this new uh wave of the NBA. And, uh, you know, Mitch, we had two games last night, two opening opening ones. Um, uh, I believe it was the Warriors and the Lakers along because mm-hmm. I because I watched the first game. I didn't get to see the second game. It was Boston beating Philadelphia first and then Golden State beating L.A. first. Did you get a chance to watch any of those.
1: I watched a tad bit of the first game was asleep before the second game tipped off. Uh, did watch quite a bit of the highlights, a little more, you know, they put the quick highlights out and the in-depth highlights where it's, you know, eight-minute montage of the plays throughout the game. I watched that this morning of the Lakers and the Warriors. Uh, all I have to say is that Mitch uh Ballet guy who said he's not sure the Celtics will be good without their coach during that preview show you did with him, uh, he, he's probably an idiot because the Celtics looked really good last night. And I have to disagree with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, the uh, J- uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown each scored 35 points. And, uh, you know, Malcolm Brogdon added, added 16 as well. Just a nice little uh, nice little victory for Boston to start off the year. And it doesn't mean that they're going to go on this huge tear. But it's a good way to start off the – it's not even post-Ime Ime Udoka era. It's the sort of strange uh, season-long divorce from your head coach. And then you get, he gets to return after, you know, I don't even think – he doesn't even get to come back for the playoffs, right?
1: No, it's the uh, in Facebook when you can update your status, you know, whether you're single, dating, married, it's the it's complicated stage for the Celtics right now is their status with Udoka out right now. Um, The Celtics were impressive. I know it's one win, but, you know, I'm probably going to overreact here just because there's 81 more games to play. We haven't seen the Cavs play yet. And everybody needs to go back and listen to our predictions for the NBA season where we have the top, you know, six teams making the playoffs seven through 10 in the play in tournament and our bottom five. The Celtics last night showed me the one thing that would worry me if the Cavs did have to play them in a playoff series, Mitch. I don't know who we have to guard Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Both of them combining for 70 points, 35 apiece last night. You add in Brogdon that a lot of people, I think, forgot the Celtics went out and got. This is a team, and listen, I'm overreacting, obviously, but this is a team that looked like they picked up where they left off last year in the finals against the Warriors. They look good. They really did.
0: Yeah, and, and the bench, I think, came up more for Boston as well. You had the Brogdon, 16 points, uh, Gerald Williams, 15 points. Now, James Harden did score 35 as well, and then you had 26 from Tyro 21 from Tyro Maxey, uh, and 18 from Harris. But uh, the bench for Philadelphia combined for, what was it, 7, 8, 11 points. Uh, that's not going to get it done. And then on the flip side, you know, L.A., I kind of figured they wouldn't win the opener just because it's, it's golden state. You're coming off the, the finals win. You're celebrating your victory. And then I'll give it this LeBron year 20, man. He's still looking like the same, same all-star, same franchise player. Just, you know, he's stuck on a team that, you know, doesn't quite get as much as produced, but you know, it, it could have been, it could have been a lot worse for them that last night.
1: It really could have Mitch. They shot the three ball 40 times. Yes. The Lakers did. And afterwards, LeBron already making a comment about how the roster is constructed. The Lakers were open a lot last night in the perimeter. And it's teams that are going to let the Lakers shoot from the perimeter because to LeBron's point, they don't have lasers. They don't have sharp shooters. They don't have what every great team LeBron has been on has had, which is a sniper three-point shooter. Doesn't always have to be a big name, but even those days in Miami, yes, he had Ray Allen, but even someone like Mike Miller was a guy that if you left him open, he was going to hurt you. Kyle Corver in Cleveland. Now, obviously, we had Kyrie for a couple of years, but the Lakers have nobody that scare you from deep, and that could ultimately be their downfall. Obviously, it's one game there with a new head coach. It, the Warriors looked good. I yeah. expect them to look good. You and I both expect them to look good. You yep. and I had them. Had them high up in the Western Conference standings. Um, defending champions. We'll have to wait and see what the Lakers really are. But I thought it was pretty interesting after one game, LeBron already making a comment about how the roster is constructed.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're 20, Anthony Davis at 27. Russell Westbrook had 19. Didn't have as bad a shooting night as, you know, people would have expected, 7 of 12. Yeah. Um, there was that one instance where he bricked a three, or he airballed a three-pointer. But before that, what people didn't see on the, a lot of people didn't see on the clip was, I found this one on TikTok. was it was him forcing two offensive rebounds before he was able to get the basketball. So he's still at least doing something for the squad. And then Curry didn't have, he had a good game. Clay Thompson didn't have as much to do. He only scored 18 points, but it was six of 13. So he didn't shoot as much as Steph did. Uh, and then you got 20 points at Andrew Wiggins, who's blossomed in a, a second life uh, out, out in the Bay area. So, yeah, that's that's the start of the NBA season. We obviously have the Cavaliers as part of the uh, slate, the full slate of games starting tonight around 730 in Toronto against the Raptors. So we'll see the Donovan Mitchell era kick off, hopefully in a positive way. And I'm excited to see where this Cavs team goes. And then as, as far as hockey. We, we've only gotten into like five games so far this year, I think. Um, the Blue Jackets, who are our regional team, are currently dead last in the Metropolitan Division. Um, but it's still early on in the year. They've gotten outscored nine to 17 uh, from goals scored to goals allowed. Um, but we got Boston, Carolina, Dallas, and Cal- Calgary ahead in their respective divisions. So it'll be an intriguing year for hockey as well. Uh, When we come back, we'll be going into uh, the final segment. We'll get into some high school sports here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.
3: We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org.
0: Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our Van Can assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there.
1: You deserve the best, and at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the fairest deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris.
2: If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process you'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week, just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing, quality from start to finish.
0: Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Final segment here talking high school sports. It is uh, near playoff time, Mitch. Uh, We are going into some Week 10 matchups rivalry week. Uh, Your area has the big one, Masson versus McKinley. Mine is a big one, uh, Dover versus New Philadelphia. And uh, I'm looking at some of the playoff pictures for our respective areas. Uh, Looking at what the, the outcome could be. Uh, going to the McKinley-Maslin game, obviously one of the longest standing rivalries in high school football. Maslin coming in on a big winning streak. McKinley recovering from that 0-4 start in the year, obviously, to, uh, clinch at least a share of the Federal League title. Of course, Maslin's not in the Federal League anymore. They're considered independent. Um, and as far as the playoff goes, uh, McKinley, if they have already gotten a first round, a whole matchup for whoever they play, And with a win this week, they could potentially lock up a home game in the second round,
1: too. And you'd have to think just on paper and how the two teams have played this year, Mitch, that they will win. But all the records and everything fly out the window. Now, when you talk about a rivalry game, this is the epitome of one. This is the longest standing high school rivalry for high school football that we know. It's actually a game, the only high school game that you can actually bet on in Las Vegas. McKinley got off to that horrid 0-4 start. They knew what they signed up for, though, with the non-conference part of their schedule. Their first three games, three tough opponents. I got to talk to Coach Antonio Hall, I believe in the Week 6 matchup against Lake Week 6, Week 7, and he said they did that on purpose to prepare the team. This is a rivalry, though, Mitch, that has pretty much turned into what Ohio State-Michigan did up until last year, where it was one-sided and dominated. McKinley, though, Mitch, can hang with Maslin, and Like I said, you throw it all out the window. It's going to be hard because they're at Maslin at Paul Brown Tiger Stadium, but there would be nothing sweeter for the Bulldogs, who have already clinched a share of the Federal League title. They will look to win it outright this week with help from another Federal League team, which we'll get into the schedule there here in a bit. It's going to be a fun game. It always is a fun game. I won't be shocked either way how it goes. if you told me, hey, Maslin's going to come out here and win by 20, I wouldn't be shocked if you said, hey, McKinley's going to go over there and give him a game. It really wouldn't shock me just on the sheer fact that Maslin has been rolling, and I think that maybe sometimes you undermine a team that has a worse record than you, but it's always a fun time when these two teams play each other, when the cities go out and represent each other. It's a blast, and I know it's probably the same way for you down there with Dover and New Philly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dover and New Philly, this is, uh, I don't, I don't recall if it's the longest as McKinley Masson, but it's up there and uh, they'll be playing over at Woody Hayes Quaker Stadium and Dover comes in. I believe the computer rankings or the computer uh, uh, odds gave him 17 points on the Quakers going into this one. Dover, they have similar records, but Dover has played a little bit more elevated competition this year and New Philadelphia's offense has specifically really struggled against teams this year, especially off that 60 to seven drubbing from West Holmes, which was seen here on big time sports. Um, yeah. Dover and new Philly. This is one where if, Do- if new Philadelphia can use that, that solid defense of theirs to limit Dover early on, then they can keep in the game. Otherwise if Dover gets a bunch of points early, it's going to be done by, by the fourth quarter. So um, that wouldn't be interesting. And I, I'm looking at some of the uh, playoff potentials here dover with uh, a potential victory if they can get it uh they can get a home game in the first round or they can even find themselves uh potentially out of the postseason in that division two region seven um uh region i guess and uh if that happened if they do get into the playoffs then they'll probably take on it. i think it's projected licking heights in week 11 now new Philadelphia could. Uh, Possibly get in if they lose, but I would, it would be much more sufficient for them if they win, obviously. Now, granted, they would have to take on uh, either two-time defending state champion Chardon or uh, Youngstown Ursuline or Canfield, who are those are the three juggernauts yep. in in high school football in the state of Ohio. You also got teams like Indian Valley and Carrollton in region 15 uh, Garraway in region 17 they're, They've already got their in. They got the first round by uh, uh, they they've got it or the first round home game. Excuse me. Um, they're they're playing for undefeated season part two against uh, Ridgewood this week, uh, who's already lost twice this year and uh, Fairless also part of that as well. And then Newcomerstown and Malvern and Region 23, they're kind of vying for, you know, they're in at this point. They're just uh, getting wherever their seating has to be. And then Region 25, Canaan Valley, uh, would also be in with a victory, um, probably on a road matchup in the playoffs. But uh, that leaves out Minerva, Sandy Valley, Tusky Valley, Central Catholic, and Strasburg, unfortunately for them. Now, on your side, we also had Maslin in there. Uh, They've locked up home games in the first two rounds. And uh, they would get the top seed if they were to win their seventh in a row against the Bulldogs. Now you have Lake Hoover, green and Perry from the federal league also in the playoffs as well. Which of those four teams, Mitch do you think can make a very serious run at, uh, at some of the teams in the later rounds, like the regionals You got Lake Hoover, green
1: and Perry. It's Lake Lake. Listen, they've still their one blemish this year was against McKinley at home at Lake. And they, were, uh, they weren't they were shorthanded, but they were missing some key players, especially when you talk about how Lake runs their offense. They have a two-quarterback system. They have a quarterback that runs. And then you have Jarvis, who returned from last year. He's only a junior that throws the ball. Now, they did not have him against McKinley, and it really made Lake one-dimensional. And that's why McKinley thrived defensively, I think. Now, personally, I thought McKinley was overall the better team, despite the record. But Lake, their will to run the ball, they have weapons on the outside if Jarvis is healthy and can throw the ball. And their defense is very, very talented. A lot of speed in the secondary. I think Lake is a team that nobody wants to face. And knowing that they only have one loss and it's to the Camp McKinley Bulldogs, I think that says a lot. Hoover has potential to really, you know, frustrate some people because Durland at quarterback is a phenomenal passer. They have Roach and McKelly in the backfield that run the ball. They like to pound the ball. And Hoover isn't a team that sticks to a game plan. They will go into the halftime locker room, make adjustments from what they saw in the first half against an opposing defense and reassess, and whatever's going to work, they will do that to win a game, whether it's running or passing. Perry, we know, and Perry's always the wild card. The running backs are very talented, but they that wing T offense, teams can't simulate it, practice against it, to the point that McH- or Perry runs it, excuse me. And it's why Perry, we've seen, makes some deep playoff runs, even when you don't expect them to. Green, Mitch, they started off so hot, They kind of faltered a little bit. They have Clockner, the quarterback, who will throw it all over the yard. And you have to hope if you're green, you don't run into a team with a secondary that can stop that because green's downfall is they cannot run the ball effectively at all. Green's best hope would potentially be to run into a team that cannot do either. um, Or hopefully, if they do defend the pass well, cannot stop the run. They do have uh, the third Martin brother to come through, green, Antonio Martin, talented, very talented, speedy, but. Back to your question, Lake is the one team out of those four teams you mentioned that I think nobody would want to see in the later rounds of the playoffs and I think could make a deep playoff run if they're healthy.
0: I could see that. It would be interesting to see how Green's passing heavy offense would match up against some of the uh, uh, early on opponents where it seems like uh, they might have some struggles uh, beyond the run game. Now, you also have teams like, uh, I had them listed up here, Three teams that are already in in the Stark area, West Branch, Northwest, Ken South, they're all in. They've already gotten what they needed to do. They're just figuring out seating. Um, and Alliance and uh, Louisville. Louisville could sneak in if they beat Lindsley and then maybe get a little bit of help elsewhere. Uh, you also have teams like Carrollton who would need to win, beat Minerva, which they probably will, and they'll need to get help uh, from other teams. Fairless is already in. Central Catholic is already in. Uh, Tuslaw would need to beat Fairless if they can. Uh, then maybe get some help. And then East Canton, too, another IBC team that if they beat Malvern, uh, they, they'll they be for sure to get in. They might be able to slip in if they even if they lose. Um, but, yeah, those are all the teams that we could potentially see in uh, the upcoming playoffs. And I'm sure it's going to be a very exciting uh, rivalry week. Uh, Saturday is going to be insane over at yeah. uh, Paul Brown Stadium. That was always my, with all respect to McKinley, that was always my personal favorite to go to when it came to, the rivalry because, you know, you had the tailgating out there. It was, it was a great facility. Not to say that uh, Tom Benson isn't great as well, but there was something about, you know, Paul Brown stadium kind of in that isolate semi isolated area where everybody was just kind of filed in at once was, was electric as a kid. So
1: no doubt about it. And I think part of the reason that you feel that way too, is because it's still at a high school stadium where McKinley granted I say they have the best field and stadium, but it's not a high school stadium. We know they play at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It was packed last year for this rivalry game too. And it's so cool now to see the transition from Fawcett Stadium, where it was just an old rundown Hall of Fame stadium, now transitioned to Tom Benson Hall of Fame stadium. You have two decks of seats on the home side. And to see that place sold out for a Week 10 high school football game is is awesome. It's It's an amazing atmosphere, but... I I don't blame you one bit because being over at Maslin is is a treat. The one thing I will say, the rivalry games get kicked off on Thursday. You mentioned, you know, Central already in the playoffs. They will host St. Thomas Aquinas up here. And then there is one other Saturday game at Salem at West Branch. And that'll be another really good game up here in Stark County. But I have to mention, both as an alum, but also for big-time sports, because it is the big-time sports game of the week for Stark County, over at Jackson, uh, a rivalry that I know very well, didn't play football, but played baseball. Um, you sports hate the other team. Um, obviously there's always things that go on outside of sports and the communities themselves have been great helping the other community out. But when it comes to football, Mitch, this rivalry here isn't to the magnitude of McKinley Masson, but it might be the second biggest rivalry in all of Stark County. These two teams have ruined each other seasons before. And both teams right now are jockeying for playoff position. Jackson is in the playoffs firmly. A loss here, though, could really eliminate them from a spot where they're looking for a first-round home playoff game. With the win last week over Central, you'd think Jackson would be safe, but you don't want to take that for granted. Jackson's going to have to come out and play a good ball game. I'm excited. That's where I expect to be for big-time sports. Or just as a fan, I'm actually covering uh, Jackson volleyball tomorrow for big-time sports. That might be my game of the week that I cover. It's going to be fun, but I'm not going to be shocked with some of those teams you mentioned, both for Tusk County and Stark County, if we see a couple teams on the fringe get knocked out because it's rivalry week and everything's off the table, and this is where some of the best football is played. And wouldn't you know, it, Mitch, by the time we record for next week, we're going to know where teams are going for the first round of the high school football playoffs in the state of Ohio, and that's when things get real fun.
0: I agree. I agree. And then uh, I'll probably be at uh, at least Central versus Strasburg, of course, who are uh, kind of just playing for bragging rights uh, week 10 Central with two wins on the year. Uh, Strasburg still trying to get their first one. But uh, for my own sake, I'm hoping they can get this one. So thank you all for listening. You're watching to this week's episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast show. I mean, obviously uh, here on YouTube, be sure to like subscribe at the bell. Uh, podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. And but uh, but what else? What else? What else? Uh, website bigtimesportsohio dot com and uh, at BTS Ohio and
1: Twitter at Mitch Spinell at Mitchell Obala bala What's our fact of the day? Mitch, your fact of the day is dolphins sleep with one eye open. Dolphins
0: sleep with one eye open. Hmm. Huh? There's got to be some sort of Miami Dolphins joke in there. I'm just too lazy at this point to figure. Oh it no, out. That,
1: that that's that's an actual fact. I wasn't making a joke. No, I know, I, I know, <laughs> but
0: I was trying to think of something where. Uh, something snarky to say thanks for listening or watching to this episode of the big time sports podcast show